everybody here for a fantastic show this show is a little bit special because it's the first show i'm gonna do by myself so it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a blast y'all get in here fire your comments in i'll interact as much as possible uh looking forward to a fantastic show um here at the end of the show our last segment is a segment of tell me ta and i want anything and everything for tell me ta it does not have to be about LSU. Obviously, we can discuss LSU. But if you got another question, if you want me to tell you something else, throw it in the Tell Me TA. So y'all stick around for the last segment to throw in all y'all's Tell Me TA comments. Also, uh, repping, repping the boys tonight. Shout out to the Balcony Bengals. We love the Balcony. Been to the Balcony. The Balcony is hype. And it's hype for a reason because it lives up to the hype. We've actually done a show there before, and it was it was awesome. It was fantastic, and we'll have to do that again uh, very soon. Hopefully, definitely in the football season. But I know y'all are here to discuss some things, so we will discuss those things. We're going to start off with the worst of things, the worst of it, the Ole Miss LSU baseball series when the Tigers got swept. Let me go ahead and say it. I'm going to insert foot in mouth. Foot in mouth. Reagan Lee said on this show that I think LSU has a great chance coming into this weekend series that we could come out with a sweep. Well, a sweep did occur, but it didn't occur in favor of the Tigers. The Ole Miss Rebels swept the Tigers. It was absolutely brutal. A disastrous weekend for LSU baseball. I mean, it was the last thing you wanted to happen as an LSU fan and as the LSU Tigers baseball team. That was the last thing they needed. When you are fighting for a regional host, potentially a super regional host, that occurs. You have really shot yourself in the foot. And it started off so well. I mean, it felt like from the get-go, it was going to be a good weekend. I mean, Dylan Cruz cranks off a two-run home run, picks up right where he left off last weekend, doing what he does best, sending balls to the outfield. And boy, oh boy, that home run feels like three months ago after watching the rest of game one, then game two, 
then game three. I mean, a goose egg was laid this weekend. I mean, you just choked these regional hosts away. Now, you can earn it back. But, man, when you are pushing for a regional host, you had a regional host. But now you were pushing for a super regional host. That was brutal. Brutal indeed. And, man, it chalks down to, I feel like, the same things, the same mistakes. I have said the last two episodes, man, if Alex Malazzo gets healthy, that man is going right behind the dish. I love Tyler McManus. And what Tyler McManus has done at the plate has been awesome. Your DH right now is currently struggling a good bit. He is he is a swing and miss DH right now. He is either putting it in the seats or he's striking out. So the DH role right now is a perfect fit for Tyler McManus. Because with Friday night's game, in the second inning, when Mikhail Hilliard, it was, it was Mike Day, it seemed like, because 13 pitches, he's out of the first inning. Boy, oh boy, it looked like he was about to be out of the second inning quickly. I mean, T.J. McCants, I, I, think, I think it's T.J. McCants, uh, had hit a double, and it was a really kind of close play in the outfield, a diving effort from Gavin Dugas that bounced off his glove and rolled away a little bit. And, and, and McCants was able to get into second on a close play there at the bag. But McHale came to the next batter and gets the strikeout. But unfortunately, the ball is not properly blocked up. And the ball gets away. Strike three, out three, gets away from your catcher yet again. And this was not the last time this happened in this series. Old Miss goes on to have a four-run, two-out rally when you had literally got out of that inning. Literally. You were going to have a, a, a two innings with a really efficient uh, performance so far through those two innings by Mikhail. I mean... He was efficient. I think I think with that strikeout, he was around 20-something pitches. And he would have been out of the inning and getting your lineup right back up with a 2 nothing lead. Instead, it leads to four runs. Your defense continues to be an issue, continues to be a problem. Unfortunately, there's we want to discuss this and we want to be like, hey, man, put Malazzo in. But unfortunately... He's injured, so there's nothing you can do about it right now. There's absolutely nothing you could do about it because the man's injured. And if he even comes back this season, I don't know. Oh, Danny Girl says, are y'all are y'all going to get me all flustered and angry about baseball again? Unfortunately, yes, we probably are. Probably are. Yet again is key. Yes, I, we're going to learn and we're going to find out. Look, y'all, I mean, I know earlier in the season – we were riding the Travinsky train a little bit. He was batting well. But then he, he he's a, he's kind of like Joe Bear. He's a swing and miss or put it in the seats kind of guy. 
And so when he wasn't hitting the home runs, when he wasn't producing, and then the defense wasn't quite there again, you go to McManus. Well, McManus is hot, but you're getting the same results with defense. So now we're seeing the true asset that Malazzo is. Malazzo is an elite defensive catcher. Malazzo is one of the best catchers in the country. So if that man gets healthy, he is going right behind the dish. I, I promise you. If Jay Johnson is, is able to get him healthy and have him healthy, I I promise you he will be behind the dish because the amount of past balls that have cost you runs, the amount of things that have happened behind the plate that have cost you runs has been detrimental. If that pass ball does not get away, you win game one. Again, it is one inning of mistakes that leads to the loss. That was four runs, and you lost that game 5-3. to three. Ole Miss scored one run on Saturday when the game resumed. One. If you field that ball, if you block that ball up, make the throw to first base, LSU wins that game. It, it it's frustrating because right now there's nothing you can do about it. So you can't lay it at – I mean, you can't be frustrated with Jay Johnson like, hey, make the move, make a move because he can't. And you can't really be too upset with Tyler McManus because he has to do it. He has to be the one to do it. And right now, he's swinging the hotter bat, so he's going to be in the lineup over Travinsky. But we're seeing how important it is to have a great catcher. LSU knows now the importance that is having an elite catcher, and Malazzo is that guy. And as soon as he is healthy, if he gets healthy, indeed, he will be inserted in the lineup. No questions asked. If he's not, then I'll start questioning Jay Johnson for a little bit. Because honestly, I feel like Jay Johnson has handled everything quite well, considering, I mean, he was handed everything. He only brought three guys with him. I think he's done quite well. In fact, it, we've done better than what we did last year. So he's improved. No complaints. Now, the whole thing with, with uh, pulling Sammy Dutton after one pitch, you know, I was kind of like, yo, you know, what was that all about? Come to find out, it was already planned anyways. So that was the plan. He was going to face the right-handed batter. Then you had a left-handed batter coming up. So you were going to bring Hasty in. So you had the left-on-left -left matchup. There you go. Oh, Danny Girl says, but we can be mad at the shortstop. Keeps getting put out there. Dang, y'all, I'd be happy if they threw Cruz in at shortstop. But he seems to be the only person focused right now. Cruz is the best player on your team. No questions asked. Jacob Berry is incredible, and he's going to be a pretty high draft pick this year. But Dylan Cruz next year, y'all, we get another year of Dylan Cruz. Isn't that awesome? We get another year of Dylan Cruz. Um, but next year, Dylan Cruz is I, – I, I mean, the number one pick is like – 
the 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 expectation that he could put himself in. Like, I mean, seriously, Dylan Cruz could be the number one pick next year. Um, he is he is no doubt a major leaguer playing college ball, and and he is a five tool player if I've ever seen one. Um, and this is crazy to say, considering the amount of talent that LSU baseball has had come through LSU. But Dylan Cruz is going to go down as one of the best, the best LSU players. Like, he is going to be a historic LSU player. My question is, Jay Johnson is a coach who is heavily focused on offense. I would like to know how much time is being spent on focusing on the basics and defense. Justin Broussard, I mean, you really you really got a point there. I mean, if he's a heavily focused offensive guy, is there a neglect to the defensive side? Could be. Could be, honestly. Um, I feel like if, if you have Malazzo in there, this isn't as much in question. Because, man, I don't mean to – I feel terrible. I feel like we talk about – Shortstop every single time, which Kate Doty had um, some issues defensively uh, this weekend as well. Some crucial mistakes um, in the third game was made at second base. But you you've got a valid point there. Is the defense being neglected a little bit now? As a good, I mean, at, at this point in time. There's only so much you can work on, right? Because you're in the middle of the the season. There, you're, you're. There's only. I mean, I see you're saying this team can't field pop ups or or your standard ground ball. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, I mean, I don't understand the whole K Doty going down to a knee thing. Like, I mean, that's not traditional. And, and uh, the the the, you know, I'm trying. I'm losing my words here, but. That's not the traditional way of doing that. And, and the t- two times he went down the knee like that, it went under his glove. Twice. I don't know. I, maybe there is a neglect. Good coaches, though, come the offseason, will correct that. Will make that a point of, of emphasis. And at this point in the season, it's hard to work on things so heavily because you're in the midst of the season. I mean, you are in the midst of, like, positioning for for seeding and all that and there's I mean there's only so much time right I mean you you have you play on Friday Saturday Sunday you got probably practice maybe a, on Monday especially after a weekend like this I would expect you would have practice on Monday but if you if you win the series you probably give the guys off on Monday then you're playing again on Tuesday and then Wednesday you may have some practice Thursday's a travel day right you see what I'm saying like there's only so much you can do as a coach in season when it comes to baseball because you play so many games. Um, so we'll definitely see how it is addressed um, in the offseason. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I know we have some freshmen that are coming in at shortstop that are, are big-time prospects, um, like Mikey Romero. The The issue is do you keep them from coming – or do you keep them from going to the draft and get them to come in? If not – and I know we have uh, Gidry. I think it's Gavin Gidry out of out of Louisiana. 
uh, Mikey Romero, both guys that could probably play shortstop. Uh, do you keep those guys from going to the draft so they can come here and compete for a stop a spot at shortstop? Because honestly, y'all, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a a, um, a a battle for that position next year. Still upset and can't even talk about this past weekend. It's it's hard to talk about, Chris. It was I, on on Sunday. I quit watching. I quit watching. It's really team wide making common errors. I. Yes, uh, I mean, I feel like it, there's certain like the in the middle of your infield and behind the plate has been the major issue. Your outfield has been pretty solid this season, considering Dylan Cruz, Josh Pearson has made made some great plays this weekend. Um, Josh Pearson is going to be an incredible player. Um, Josh Stevenson um, is is has made some incredible catches as well in the outfield when he has filled in. Uh, he's kids got some range like his brother does. Um, and Gavin Dugas, I feel like gives you maximum effort every single time. Um, so I feel like it's middle of the infield and behind the plate. That's your main issues. Middle infield has failed us. It's failed us way too many times. Correct. Um, but guys, We'll we'll see how this is addressed in the offseason. I mean, there's only so much you can do right now. And there's only so much you can harp on the mistakes. But the reality is, who do you put out there? I mean, I would I would like to see something else tried. But when when it comes to the case of the catcher, not much you can do. But you also saw, saw Jordan Thompson may make, make a pretty incredible play at shortstop. I forget who was the batter for Ole Miss, but on Sunday, that diving play that he made out in the outfield and stand up and make that throw, I think it was Alderman or, or somebody like that. I mean, he stole a base hit away. He has made some incredible plays like that. And we saw that last year. At, there's no telling. I, I mean, I, I honestly have no explanation. No explanation for – what has happened this year, but we know he can do it. I mean, when he makes plays like that, it's like, dude, why you can, why can you do that? Why can you make that incredible diving play, stand up, set your feet, make the throw? But when it comes to these routine ground balls, why is it such a a task for you? It's hard. I mean, I mean, it, it was a tough watch this weekend. There's nothing you can. I mean say I feel like positively the most positive thing I think I took out of this weekend is that um Ty Floyd looked really promising on on the resume of of game one on Saturday I mean he set you up Ty I know it you know hindsight's 2020 it didn't play out the way you wanted it to in game two and three but Ty Floyd set you up to have an advantage in game two and game three the fact that he came in and and, and closed that game out without having to go to any bullpen and only allowed one run was really, really impressive. And I feel like that's being overlooked because of how negative this weekend was. But he gave you a chance to win that game. Ty Floyd gave LSU's offense a chance to win that game. I mean, he pitched an incredible game. And he really set you up to win and have the advantage in the next two games. It just didn't play out. 
Justin Broussard, we talk about NIL hurting college athletics, but college sports, but college sports, but baseball could be the sport that benefits getting guys like Mike Romero on campus instead of the minors. True. I mean, if you can land some deals that would probably be similar to or close to uh, the the payment that you would probably get in the minors, guys are are going to come. There's no doubt that NIL is going to play a factor into that because of how the draft works and so many guys sign because the money's there. You're going to see some more guys come to college um, uh, that normally may have not and opted have gone to opted to go to the minors instead. Uh, I would love, 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 love to have Mikey Romero make his way um, to campus. I think he does come to campus, honestly. I, I feel like if he was balancing the decision, which he still could – I mean, he is a talent that is good enough to go. And also a guy like Justin Crawford, who's projected to be a top 30 pick. Um, um, I feel I still think he, he he's got a – you know, a choice ahead of him. But the fact that he was committed to Arizona, decommitted and committed to LSU, kind of gives me the idea that maybe he's loyal to Jay Johnson and what this coach has said to him and offered to him uh, when it comes to him personally uh, on on the team. So we'll see how that plays out, though. Um, I, I have some hope that he'll come because of that switch. I feel like if he was leaning the minors, he may have just decommitted and rolled with a like without making a decision, and then been drafted. But NIL is definitely going to play a big role into that. We will see. Um, but you took it on the chin this weekend, guys. At catcher for next year, we getting a great one in Ethan Frey. Yeah, Ethan Frey is a, a, a fantastic catcher. You got two great catchers coming in next year. The number one in Georgia, number one in Florida. I know Ethan Frey is one of those. I can't remember if he was Florida or Georgia. Um, but you also have Blaze Priester on your roster. Um, I, I, I can't – I honestly haven't seen Blaze at all this year. Uh, and I'm kind of shocked at that. Blaze was a guy who was going JUCO um, so he could get drafted. Um, so he, he is a, a good talent and was a great pickup uh, for Jay Johnson when he came on as LSU's new coach. Um, and, I, I mean, you th- – I mean, thankfully, you have guys like Ethan Frey and another catcher. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name. And Blaze Priester, you could have some really great catchers uh, in the near future because Jay has done a – y'all, Jay did a fantastic job. Um, with this recruiting class. That's why this year, I mean, considering what he has done this year with the pitching staff that we have, with being handed the players, they're not really his players, right? Y'all, this pitching staff hardly even has one true starter. Barely. I mean, our starting pitching is uh, is abysmal this year. Mikel has been your only consistent guy. You're only one. Now, we hope Ty Floyd comes on here late in the season, but Mikhail is all you have had. This class, he is loaded with arms and left-handed pitchers specifically. So you got to give Jay Johnson the time to put together a staff, to put together his guys, and guys – we are we're 14 and 13 in the SEC. That's better than we were last year. We're we're fighting for a regional host. That's better than last year. 
So I would not hang Jay Johnson yet. I feel like I don't think any of y'all here in the comments are doing that. But a lot of our tendencies, um, a lot of our tendencies as LSU fans, I feel like, is to overreact sometimes. So I wouldn't overreact yet, honestly. But let's see, Peyton McNeese, for all my guys that said in the beginning, he can swing, so he needs to spot in that lineup. Where y'all at? Said from the start, can't sacrifice defense for office. I'm right there with you, Peyton. Um, Malazzo's defense is is something uh, <laughs> that is incredible um, and something that we need on the field desperately right now. Um, I mean, that cost you Friday night's game. Literally cost you that game. Um, all right, I've, I've talked we, – we've talked about this at length, and, it, and it, we've exhausted it. You took it on the chin this weekend. As of right now, you're unranked, and you're not hosting. You got to strap up, you got to finish strong, and try to make a push for regional host. You got to take care of business. But you made it really stinking hard on yourself because now you got to go to Nashville and play Vanderbilt, who just beat Arkansas in a weekend series. So you really, really got to put it together here on this last weekend series and make a great showing in Hoover or you're going to be going on the road. We'll see. We will see. But after we've talked about it enough, that's what we got right now. That's where LSU is at. Can't go back and change it. You got to deal with it. Finish strong. Go Tigers. All right, let's talk about some more positivity, some more positive things. BK Takeover continues. He picks up some picks up some commitments this this well today. One and this past weekend, you get Trey Holly, and you got Dalen Austin today. Guys, this BK Takeover is for real. It's for real. I mean. You now have you're, – you're in the top 10 for the 2023 class, which is nowhere near from being over, by the way. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there would be more commitments coming soon. Uh, there's quite a trend with Brian Kelly, it seems like, right? He came in to uh, this job and didn't address hardly anybody. Had your opening press conference, and that's about all you had, Right. He puts things together. The roster comes together. He gets transfers. This happens. That happens. He gets his staff together. You start spring practice, and boy, all of a sudden, boom, here's all this availability. Here's everything that I've been doing. And then now here with this class, it's kind of taking some time. Some people wondering, all right, we're here in BK Tokeover. You know, well, what are we going to do about the 2023 class? Guys, it's beginning. I, gar- I-, I promise you, I feel like these next few weeks, a lot's going to happen for the 2023 class. You got Trey Holly, who uh, broke Nick Brosette's record. Um, uh, I believe it was the rushing record in Louisiana. Uh, I don't know if that was a class record. So maybe one of y'all can give me um, um, uh, correct me on that. Is it a Louisiana record or is it a Louisiana record for the class his school is in. I know he's there at Union Parish. But, you know, he's he's a top 200 recruit. Dalen Austin, top 200 recruit. You have six commits now who are all, according to 247, top 200 guys save one. Michael Doherty, who is 202. 
So you have six guys who are right on the cusp of being top 200 prospects. And people are saying, well, you know, I thought he was going to put an emphasis on Louisiana. Guys, he's been landing guys outside of state, and he's going to land some guys in the state. I mean, you've already got crystal balls for Shelton Sampson over at Catholic High. Brian Kelly can't recruit. Brian Kelly can't recruit. Blah, blah, blah. Y'all, we we have got to learn as LSU fans. As much as we've been watching what has unfolded with this entire athletic department, is when these guys come in, we're all like, can he recruit? Can he recruit? Guys, this brand recruits itself. No doubt you want to be. Holly is uh, 804 yards from breaking the state rushing record. Okay, okay, 804 yards from breaking this. I thought he had. I thought he had broke the record. I thought I saw he had already broke the record. But I mean, he's got a full season to get 804. You know, hopefully he can break that record. That would be awesome. Um, but a former alumni holds that record currently. Thank you, Chris, for your your update there. But guys, he. he this brand, that's where I was at. This brand recruits itself. Obviously, you can't just be a, a bystander when it comes to recruiting. You got to get in there, you got to recruit. But when you have LSU's brand repping with you, right? You're going to pull recruits in. Is he going to be a good recruiter? Is he going to be a good recruiter? Guys, the brand is a good recruiter. And if Brian Kelly can sell his pitch of his remake his takeover at LSU with the LSU brand. Guys, he's he's going to pull in some awesome recruits. Justin Broussard, it's a Louisiana record, but he has not broken it yet. Okay, I got you. I got you. I guess I had misread whatever I had read. He's on. He's got one season left, and he's pretty close to breaking the record. I guess it's career rushing yards is, is what it is there. But needless to say, Great recruit, right? Guys, we already saw what Brian Kelly was able to do with a roster that was in shambles. Brian Kelly put together a team now that can compete this coming fall. If you, Chris, you just read my stinking mind. The LSU brand brings the recruits here. Kelly's vision. We'll keep them here. Yes! And Kelly's vision will probably play a part of bringing them here as well with the LSU brand. Guys, we got to quit worrying about, can this guy recruit? Jay Johnson comes in, puts the number one recruiting class together. Brian Kelly comes in and totally rebuilds our devastated, decimated roster. It was left in shambles, and he comes in and attacked the portal and put it all back together with a team now that can compete. And he put a staff together that's going to be, that has, y'all, it has experience, it has winning experience, it has Louisiana ties, and it has youth. So you got experience, winning experience, Louisiana ties, and youth all tied in and mingled into the staff that's going to help you with recruiting. And then you can put the LSU brand on that vision. Brian Kelly is going to have zero problem, zero, zero problem recruiting at LSU. None. He will have no problem recruiting at LSU 
Brian Kelly at a place like Notre Dame put together some great recruiting classes. What do you think he can do here at LSU? Why do we question that? It makes no sense to me. Ed Orgeron was a great recruiter, sure. But with the LSU brand, it probably made him look a lot better than what he was. Les Miles used the, 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 the LSU brand, and he pulled some pretty darn good recruits. Now, if you put a guy out there who's got a brain between his ears with the LSU brand, he's going to recruit. Guys, he's won everywhere he's gone. He's not going to bring along these piddly dunk recruits every single year. I don't know where this, this like rhetoric, this narrative that he could not recruit came from. Notre Dame's average class is 2.3 at Notre Dame. Guys, Brian Kelly comes in and gets sixth-ranked recruiting class in about six weeks. He pulled it from within the 40s. LSU's recruiting ranking was in the 40s, and you finished sixth. And it's high school, it's high school and transfer portal, but he still got you the sixth-ranked class. It might have been a little longer, but you get my point. Yes, yes. And he did it within like two months, guys. Without his staff completed. He did it within two months without his staff completed, y'all. Now he's got his entire staff. They've begun to work together. They've gone through an entire spring together now. They understand his vision. They understand what he wants. They understand what he expects. And now you can go out and recruit for an entire year. Y'all, it is not going to be lacking. It is not going to be lacking. Brian Kelly will be just fine when it comes to recruiting. Trey Holly, Dalen Austin, Michael Doherty, Ryan Yates, Omarion Miller. Y'all, it, we're going to be perfectly fine. People were worried about recruiting DBs when Corey left and what position group is recording at the highest level. Yes! You've already got three of them. Three! Guys, Jackson Howard released his top four today. Number one player in the state of Minnesota. Top 100 prospect in the country. LSU's in his top four. Guess what? You're lacking in the tight end position. He's one of the best earned tight ends in the country. A tight end is the number one player in Minnesota. We will not have to worry about Brian Kelly's recruiting. We won't. He is going to continuously bring in recruits. And here's, here's my – I was never worried about Brian Kelly recruiting. What I want to see is player development. That is more to me than these recruits. You can bring in – Five-star recruit after five-star recruit after five-star recruit, and that would be great. I mean, that's that would be an awesome thing. But if you can't develop them to play SEC West football, then you weren't going to be able to do anything with that. Y'all, the amount of players that came in under Ed Orgeron, all of those highly recruited players that we brought in, tons of them left the program. LSU has not had a quarterback 
stay their entire tenure at LSU since Jordan Stinkin' Jefferson. Miles Brennan has a shot at doing that. He can be the first quarterback since Jordan Jefferson to come to LSU and stay at LSU their entire tenure. I want player development. I want players to come and stay and develop and grow. That's what I'm worried about. That's what I want to see. And watching this spring, seeing how Brian Kelly has been so meticulous, so detailed, accountability, responsibility, I think there's going to be some development that's going to come along with these recruits. I was never worried about the recruiting. Everybody knew LSU was going to have to hit the transfer portal, and boy, did he ever do it. Now you have Savian Banks. I mean, you were decimated at the DB position. Now you have Seven Banks from Ohio State that's had plenty of experience. You got Jarek Bernard Converse, who's coming from Oklahoma State, who's been a three-year starter, who was all Big 12 defense. Guys, we are not, we do not need to keep worrying about recruiting. And he's proving it. I want to see the development. We're going to hit a quick break, guys. Next, our last segment here is Tell Me T8. Throw, go ahead and start throwing them in there. Throw them in there. Tell Me T8. It ain't got to be about LSU. Obviously, if you want to ask something about LSU, want my opinion on it, throw it in there. But if you want to ask something about me, about TA, about Zach, I'll answer to the best of my ability about Zach. Anything and everything, throw it in there for Tell Me TA coming right up. Y'all throw them in there now before we hit this break so I can get started on them when we get back. We'll see you right after this. Five Star Hero, your intro and outro music for the Tigers Avenue show. They ain't ready for that LSU. Go check out all his other music on all the major platforms. Don't forget to follow him on Instagram at Saints Anthem and at Twitter at One Nation Doty. Don't forget to check out his Facebook page for all his Saints and LSU merchandise. Five Star Hero. Can't get any better than Sarah Klein Stevens, attorney at law. Her firm focuses on the needs of the elderly and maintaining their dignity throughout the process. Here for you, here for your family. Sarah Klein Stevens, attorney at law. All right, all right. It's time. It is time. Ask TA, what's your favorite food? Mm, my favorite food. Look, I'm not going to lie, y'all. Me and Bobby have been craving some crawfish. I have been wanting some crawfish. If one of y'all would like to invite me to one of y'all's tailgates so I can get some authentic Louisiana crawfish, I would love to come and eat some crawfish. But McKenna asked what my favorite food is. My favorite food item is definitely a chicken sandwich. You can never go wrong with a chicken sandwich. It's perfect. Most people, whenever they go to a restaurant, what's their like default order? Like if they don't see nothing that they want, what do you get? The chicken tenders and fries. With the chicken sandwich, it spices it up a little bit. You get a little bit of the chicken action with the burger action as well. 
It's my favorite. Can't go wrong. Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, Popeye's chicken sandwich, whatever chicken sandwich, your mama's chicken sandwich. I'm down to eat it. Definitely my favorite food, which McKenna already knew that. She knows I've eaten plenty of chicken sandwiches in my lifetime. Tell me, T.A., who do you think will be the starting O-line? Great question, really. Um, I think left tackle, which is your most important, obviously, position on the uh, the offensive line. Maybe you could argue center with his call-outs and whatnot. But when it comes to protection, I think the left tackle will be Will Campbell. I mean, dude is a freak of nature. Um, uh, he has proven – uh, throughout the spring that his five-star recruit ranking uh, was no false uh, or, or, or mis-evaluation. Um, I kind of like compared him to Ethan Posich. He looks like a dude who play anyone on the offensive line. and would be perfectly fine. Um, that will be my left tackle. I'm going to give Cam Wire right tackle. I think Miles Frazier and Traymon Shorts will be your guards, right or left. I'm, I mean – Whatever it may be, I think those are going to be your guards. And at center, I what I've understood is that Charles Turner hasn't been bad in the spring and, and honestly did good. And I, I didn't see any – other than the one mistake in the spring game, he was pretty solid. Um, Garrett Dellinger's kind of seemed to be the guy for a while, and then now he's battling injury. So we'll see how that goes. Um but for now, for right now, I'm going to say Charles Turner. If Garrett Dellinger gets healthy, I think it definitely could be either one of them. Throw up Chris's tell me TA there, his next one. What are your honest expectations for football record this year? Oh, you want my honest expectations. Um, look, you were decimated, as we've discussed, and you rebuilt this team with transfers. There's got to be a lot of gelling, a lot of, of work to bring a roster together that is just so chock full of people who have come from here, there, and everywhere. That's a tough task. Now, if Brian Kelly is that good at developing and, and, and bringing this team together uh, to, to put out like a 10-11 win season, guys, when he gets like a full recruiting cycle in here, we're going to be in for a treat. But my honest expectations, considering this team had to be rebuilt the way it was, is like an eight and four, nine and three season. And I think I would lean towards nine and three. Um, and you play a great bowl game and get you 10 wins. Um, that is my honest expectations for this year. I think that our, our talent on the offense and defensive side is, is there. Um, but how that plays all together with them playing together just for the first time, we'll see. All right, what's next? What's next? Tell me, T.A., is there any high school prospects around the South Haven Olive Branch area in the class of 23? Honestly, I, y'all, I, I moved for school. Um, I honestly have no idea. Um, when it comes to baseball, that's when you're going to get uh, some big-time recruits, high school prospects, um, guys like Cameron James uh, played at my high school. Uh, he's the third baseman for Mississippi State. Uh, Austin Riley played at the high school we graduated from. Keegan James, uh, Cameron James' brother, 
uh, Blaze Jordan, who now plays for plays in the Red Sox organization, came right out of high school into the minors. Um, one of the top, you know, picks. We South Haven, Mississippi, is all about baseball. Um, and if you know anything about like little league baseball, or whatever they help, they host the Dizzy Dean tournament there, and it's a massive tournament. And I mean, baseball is just breathed there. It's all about baseball. In fact, uh, Austin Riley and the Atlanta Braves are going on a trophy tour. Uh, and at some point in time, they're going to be in South Haven, Mississippi with the World Series uh, uh, trophy. Football, not much. Not much. If you're going to find any football recruits, it's going to be at Olive Branch. In fact, there's a, a there's been – I know Xavier Hill uh, on the offensive line graduated from Olive Branch, and he's on LSU's team. Uh, every now and then you'll get a few guys go to Ole Miss um, or Mississippi State. Not not often, though. Uh, there was a – oh, man, who was that? There was a tight end that came out of Olive Branch that – I think committed signed to LSU, but is no longer with the team. I think his name was Jalen Reed uh, in this past uh, – um, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. This past season. Um, but the two, the, the the biggest one, uh, no doubt, the come out of South Alabama branch was DeSoto County, uh, was the Horn Lake linebacker, um, uh, N'Kobe Dean. Sorry, I drew a blank. I was thinking Ray Darius Jones. He – he also graduated from Horn Lake. He was actually Horn Lake's quarterback on their state championship team with him and Nakobe. Ray Darius ended up coming to LSU and as a DB. But uh, the biggest recruit to come out of the area in a long time is definitely Nakobe Dean. Um, he played for the Horn Lake Eagles, which is right next to uh, South Haven uh, within there. So let's see what else. There was something else I, I saw in here. Yeah, I was thinking eight, nine wins this year, and anything more would be amazing. Correct. I, I think that's realistic. Um, Jalen Sneed, that's who it was, right? Yes, correct. Jalen Sneed. The, the biggest football program around there, well, currently it's Horn Lake. Horn Lake has really come onto the scene since N'Kobe Dean and has become a, a great football program. But for a long time, Olive Branch ran the show. And there was lots of great roots that came out of the branch. Um, but Sneed was that one. But obviously he's no longer with the team. He is what it is. But mostly baseball in, in our in our area. I live in Jonesboro now, and northeast Arkansas is all about their basketball. Um, guys like Desi Seals played in Jonesboro. Of course, he went up to the Razorbacks and whatnot. But anyways, all right. Anything else? Tell me, T.A., <laughs> Who was the better sports player, you or Zach? I don't know. I, honestly, I would say neither of us were bad at sports, but neither of us were great at sports. Me and Zach, are, I think, are both evenly pretty good at sports. Reagan is quick. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to lie. I know I'm a big dude, but I can move for a big dude. I can move. I can get going. I would say I was probably a little bit better at football Zach was definitely a lot better at basketball. Um, we never we never really played Red Flintstones. <laughs> um, I was probably better at football just because of my size. Zach was better at basketball. I could, no, I could not have gone a long way in football. Um, and uh, baseball, we never really played uh, growing up because in our and like I said. 
it's a huge deal in South Haven, and all the leagues played on Sundays, and Sundays we went to church. So we were not able to join those uh, baseball leagues uh, growing up. So never got to really play baseball, but we love watching baseball. Bobby was a five-star recruit baseball. <laughs> From where? From where? <laughs> Let's see. I believe there was a three-star safety in South Haven, but don't think he's nationally ranked. I know there was a guy from South Haven not too long ago. Uh, not currently. He's already gone. I can't remember where he signed to. But anyways, there was a, a recruit that went somewhere pretty relevant uh, um, out of South Haven High School, the Chargers, that is. Um, but honestly, I have not kept up with their high school football in a long time uh, since I've graduated and moved on and whatnot. So honestly, what currently wouldn't know know very much at all about it. All right, guys, I appreciate y'all eventually getting in there and putting the Tell Me TA so I can answer your questions and and discuss some of these things with y'all. Appreciate y'all joining in and participating tonight. We'll hit a quick break, and then we will <laughs> Walnut Ridge High School. I live in Walnut Ridge High School. High school football is in Walnut Ridge not the, the best, but anyways – We'll hit a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we will wrap this show up. Appreciate y'all joining in. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Tigers Avenue for daily updates on the show and all things LSU sports. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to click off and hit that subscribe button at Tigers Avenue. We broadcast all of our shows live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Appreciate you joining in for tonight's show and dealing with me, riding it solo, solo bolo up in here. Appreciate Zach you know, letting me do this while he was at work and, and not able to join the show. Um, hopefully I did, you know, hopefully I gave you what you wanted, even though Zach wasn't here. You know, as long as I got, as long as I got the purple bucket hat on, we rocking and rolling. Chris English, you welcome, Cullen Jackson. <laughs> What's up, Cullen? Uh, appreciate y'all joining in, interacting. We always love doing this. Follow us on all social medias at Tigers Avenue. We'll catch you next time in the Tigers Avenue. Five Star Hero, take us out. Peace. Who that, who that five star? Who that, who that five star? And the LSU Tigers, LSU.